passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone! Get out the tape measure, long gone! Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 32, San Fran Fail is what we're calling this one. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. The guys are on live weekdays from 530 to 10 on 670. The score, of course, your radio home for Cubs baseball. And as always, I'm joined by my bud buddy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you on this Monday afternoon? I'm doing a little bit better than the Cubs middle infield. Um, you can follow me at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us at Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram and also on Fly the W on Facebook. And Fly the W670 is our email address at gmail.com. So you're doing a little bit better than the Cubs middle infield, Crawley. That means the, uh, the bar is set pretty low for you at this, uh, at this very moment. Pretty low, but it's a Monday. Maybe things will start looking up. All right, so the uh, Giants were in town for a uh, three-game set before we last left you. We had a good time with our uh, garlic fries and baseball friends. In Game 1, a lot of uh, Cubs fans and Chicago sports fans I think were interested in this one as Carlos Rodon, the lefty, trotted out onto the hill Friday afternoon at the Friendly Confines. Yeah, Drew Smiley versus Carlos Rodon, and, and, and you know, you're looking at the potential future, and... and I mean, one of these guys should hopefully be on the on the Cubs rotation next year, whether they go big on Rodon or small on Smiley. Uh, Smiley, again, another strong outing, goes seven innings, pitch, gives up one hit, one run. 
Uh, and that was that runner that scored was when he got pulled. It was just charged to him. Two walks, Nate K's looking good. Um, as far as the Cubs offense are concerned, you know, Nico had a, in the bottom of the second, Nico singles. Jan Gomes hits a two-run blast to give the Cubs a two-nothing lead. Uh, bottom in the fifth, though, Nick Magical leaves with an injured groin. He had been looking so good lately, and um, you know, that was kind of what was bothering him earlier this year. He was frustrated about having to leave. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely have to kind of keep an eye on that one. There's not a lot of time left in the season, so he may be done for the year. Bottom of the six, uh, Rodon strikes out McKinstry. There's a pitching change. Junior Marte comes into the game. He strikes out Suzuki. Uh, Reyes walks. And then Nico with a two-run homer. Cubs lead four to nothing. As usual, it's never easy being a Cubs fan because in the top of the eighth, the uh, Giants made a little bit of run at it. They had the bases loaded, and Evan Longoria hits one to the left field side, and 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 maybe the good Lord wanted the Cubs to win this one, as Harry would say, because <laughs> it was a ground rule double. So instead of three runs, instead of him clearing the bases, only two runs score. Um, and luckily, Brandon Hughes was called out of the pen to replace Manrod, who kind of got into a jam there. And he strikes out Thyro Estrada to end it, uh, the threat four to two. And that's how the game is going to end with Brandon Hughes picking up the save. Now, what I really liked about this one was the fact that they were able to get to Rodon a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. He still was great. I mean, his strikeout numbers are phenomenal. Um, If you ask me to pick between Drew Smiley and Carlos Rodon, I know people say I'm a fool. I would go cheap Drew Smiley and look for somebody else. That doesn't mean that I'm set with the Cubs rotation. But what I really liked in this one is this Kind of the roller coaster continues, but this was a very good afternoon for Brandon Hughes with that four-out save. Yeah, Brandon Hughes looked great, and and, and that's the thing. These young guys are going to have their ups and downs, and that's the whole part of the growing pains. Smiley, like you said, seven innings, pitch, one hit, one run. Like I said, he didn't even get that, you know, two walks, eight Ks, and the offense, you know, not much. Four runs on five hits, two left on base, one for three. The two two-run dingers are going to help. The thing that you're talking about with Rodon is, is he only went 5.1 innings pitch. He gave up three hits, two runs, one walk, 11 Ks, but they forced him to work. The Cubs had great at-bats, and when you do that, when you force a guy to throw a lot of pitches, you foul out, you, you know, foul a lot of balls off. That's what happened. His pitch card count got really elevated, and you only have to see him 5.1 innings. And, uh, you know, the offense against Smiley did nothing. Two runs on three hits with seven left on base, one for five with runners in scoring position. So good start. Absolutely a good start. Feeling really good about how that one started. And then game two, you went to this game, right, Crowley? Marcus Stroman, Logan Webb on the hill. Yeah, I got my monocle out, and I was at the 1914 club uh, hobnobbing with the uh, other half. Very fancy. Um, but in the uh, bottom of the first, it looks good. Nico singles, Suzuki grounds out, Horner to second, Ian Happ doubles, and the Cubs lead one nothing. But in the top of the second, just things just did not work out for Marcus Stroman. It starts off bad with Jock Peterson hitting a double that beat the shift. It was a little chopper that just rolled down all the way down the third baseline. Uh, wild pitch moves Jock to third. Brandon Crawford strikes out. David VR doubles. Peterson scores. So the game's tied at one. Uh, Gonzalez grounds out. VR goes to third. Lestella walks. And with Joey Bart batting, Stroman balks. He just he looked out of his eye. He put his leg up, put it down. Both runners advance. A run scores down two to one. And Joey Bart, I'll tell you something. That kid opened my eyes this weekend. He had a two-run home run. Lestella along for the ride. Cubs trail four to one. And they're never really into it after that. And bottom of the second, 
little league home run for Alfonso Rivas. He had a triple. It was poorly played by Luis Gonzalez and VR throws the relay throw low. It bounces into the dugout. So the Cubs make it four to two, still a game, but then nothing else the entire rest of the game till the top of the eighth. David VR makes up for that mistake. He hits a solo home run and the game will end five to two. Stroman only goes four innings pitch, seven hits, four runs, one walk, four Ks through a ton of pitches in that second inning. Sean Newcomb, though, you know, he's been struggling. We've been on him. Three innings pitch, one hit, zero runs, three Ks. So he saved the bullpen a little bit. The offense had two runs, seven hits, five left on base, one for three with runners in scoring in position. Uh, and, and Happ and Rebus both for two for four. The Giants had Webb, seven innings pitch, six hits, two runs, six Ks. You know, the offense for the Giants, five runs on 11 hits, six left on base, two for 10 with runners in scoring position, but VR two for four with a home run and Bart three for four with a home run. Both of them had two RBIs. Yeah, obviously not the effort you would want it from Marcus Stroman, but again, when the offense only has two runs, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. Crowley, let me ask you, so it was a beautiful, beautiful Saturday afternoon, but high school football's in full swing, high schools are back, college football's going on, you know, kids' activities left and right, there's soccer games all over my neighborhood. What was the crowd like at Wrigley Field on Saturday? I thought it was a pretty good crowd, especially compared to Sunday, but it was, I can't, you know, you, probably close to 30, I would say. I okay. don't know. 30 in the seats? That's a good, that's a good crowd. That would be my guess, but again, I, I, the drinks were free on Saturday, so my, my vision may have been double. I don't know. I don't All know. right, before we get then before we get into Game <laughs> Three, I, I want to hear a little bit more. I would expect our, our most of our listeners of this podcast want to hear a little bit more. Nineteen fourteen club. Okay, first of all, how did you get in? And then number two, give us a little, uh, you know, give us a little play by play. What's the joint like? Oh, it's beautiful. I, you know, a friend of mine had an extra ticket. He called me up. Uh, I saw that Sunday looked bad. I was supposed to go up to Wisconsin. I'm like, you know, I'm tired. I'd rather just kind of just go up next weekend instead because it looks a little bit nicer. So I go in there and it's just beautiful, man. The food's amazing. The drinks are out of this world. You know, all you can eat, all you can drink. I mean, you, you can really do some damage in there. And I, I feel like I did. Um, I was, I was right next to the giants, uh, dugout. So I kind of heckled a couple guys, not too bad, just in good fun. Jock Peterson, a little bit, Tommy Listella, a couple other guys. Uh, but it was, it was, it was an awesome experience. The seats are just so comfy and beautiful. And I'm not the guy that sits inside, you know, eating and whining and dining. They have also have vendors come by and giving you free beer. So I was pretty much in place, uh, most of the time just at the seats. It's, you know, very not often I get a seat that good, so it was just so fun. Very nice, very nice. All right, so Sunday, an unusual Sunday night baseball. Not that it's unusual there's Sunday night baseball, but why in the world they and this is a late switch. They switched to Cubs Giants. Wade Miley throwing uh, that kind of boggled the mind. I guess it was good they moved it tonight because there's no way they would have played a day game on Sunday in that monsoon. Absolutely, and so you know, and another thing is I think. They knew a lot of Giants fans were going to both games. So good point. In that good rega- point. It, mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. It, so in that regard, I think Mark was one of those guys, and uh, you know, he, you know, a lot of people t- went to go see the Bears game, and then did the Cubs game at night. So San Fran, you know, they, those guys made a. They were, you know, you want to talk about the crowd? That's what really bumped up the numbers. Is there was a ton of orange and black, my friend, ton of orange and black out there on Saturday. 
And then Sunday, I think every all those San Fran people were so cold and soggy they didn't make it out for the night game because it looked pretty empty. <laughs> all right, Crawley, take us through this one that did not, uh, unfortunately, go the Cubs' way. No, and it was one of those stupid bullpen games that San Francisco threw, which I absolutely hate. It was basically a batter every inning almost. Bottom of the fifth, two out. Zach McKinstry had one heck of a game. He doubles uh, or take a singles on a, uh, to center. Uh, and so, the, and so you know, it, that was good because it tied up the game. They had scored earlier. The um, Giants did when Davis hit a double and Theario Estrada had one heck of a game. He singled. And so the Cubs were down one nothing. That McKinstry double and Ortega single tied it at one. But then in the top of the six, you know, we already had um, Magical out with the groin injury. Nico Horner comes out of the game. He already had a single and a double and a couple nice defensive plays. And Chris Morell replaced him. He has uh, tricep tightness. So top of the six, Morell comes in. Hayden Wisniewski, who had that awesome um, debut in Tuesday, a uh, little uh, about a week ago. Um, you know, it wasn't as good a start, but it was still very fun to watch. Um, but he, uh, Thyro Estatus hit a solo homer. He gives the Gyrants a 2-1 lead. Uh, in the top of the eighth, Lewin Sprinson walks. Vilmer Flores, the former Met, homers, and it's four to one that they trail. And Suzuki hits one in the bottom of the eighth to make it four to two, and that'll be your final. Miley goes five innings pitch, four hits, one run, one walk, five Ks. Wesniski, three point two innings pitch, four hits, three runs, one K. Gave up those two homers, uh, three Ks on that. I'm sorry, one walk. But the offense struggle with runners in scoring position again. Two runs on twelve hits. Nine left on base, one for six with runners in scoring position. So the old can't get the big run in. McKinstry, four for five. Ortega, two for three. Um, McKinstry was just a home run short of the cycle, so that was kind of cool. But the Giants, a bullpen game. Their offense scored four runs on eight hits, five left on base, two for five with runners in scoring position. Longoria, Estrada, Austin Dean all went two for four, so that was rough. Crowley, did you like how they used Wesneski in this spot? I was kind of hoping that he actually might get the start instead of the bullpen use. I think they like that. I think they like doing this as, as, to kind of let him kind of ease into it. So it's very similar to what we saw with Justin Steele last season, stuff like that. You know, give him a few innings, three innings, see how long he kind of goes, you know. That way you don't have to, you know. I, I, I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem with it. It works for me. Okay. All right. If it's good enough for you, I'll let it and be that, good enough that, for that me That was right the now. same thing. You remember that was the same thing that they started with Keegan Thompson. Same thing. He was bull, He was piggybacking at the beginning of the season until he wasn't anymore. That's usually right. like how they like to ease those guys in. All right. All right. Another question for Tommy Lista, uh, uh, Tommy Hadovy, assuming we get him again before the year is up. All right. So that's a wrap on Giants-Cubs. The Giants take two out of three, but the Cubs did get the win against Rodon. So I, I guess... That makes me happy from that standpoint, just being the bitter person that I am. Um, Crowley, let's go over some uh, odds and ends. We had a lot of off-the-field baseball news happening, not only in baseball, but around the Cubs. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um, the competition committee voted, and they made some changes. And so with these changes, they have voted to implement a pitch clock and ban defensive shifts starting in 2023. So 15-second clock with bases empty, 20-second with runners on, and you have to have two fielders on each side of the second base bag, both feet on the dirt. So kind of very interesting there. And the players obviously were not happy with it, but the league, um, that's the way that they wanted to go. This is not 
this has been going on in the minor leagues and we've had um, different guys on and I've talked to the different broadcasters, uh, whether it was Sam or Max and BK or Alex Cohen or any of the, or, or Mick Gillespie, it's really kind of shaved time off there. And I know a lot of people are complaining and it's like, well, there's no clock in baseball. That's the beauty. No, I don't agree with that. When you say there's no clock in baseball, it's like basketball or football. You know, in those games, you have a clock. And when that clock runs out, you're done. Okay. So you can be going on in, a, you know, in football. You could have all the momentum, be doing all this stuff, and you just run out of time. In baseball, that doesn't change. There's 27 outs still. So there's no clock. If you're in the ninth inning and you're down 10 runs and you scored 12, it doesn't stop in the middle and just be like, oh, we're out of time. No, that doesn't happen. You still have to get the 27 outs. What the clock is going to do is everybody, and especially if you go to games, I go to a lot of games and you'll sit there and God, you know what my favorite games to go to are? Wade Miley and Kyle Hendricks and guys that say, give me the ball. I'm going to throw it. Here it goes. I don't want to sit there and watch a guy like, holding the ball for three minutes in between every pitch. That's not fun. What I like is I like action. Give me action, whether it's good pitching action, good hitting action. But what we're, what baseball's trying to do is kill the dead time, the dead air time when nothing. Do you remember Nomar Garcia Parra? Every at bat gets out of yep. the box, does this stuff. Da, 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 da. Played with, with, with the, the wristbands, wrist played yeah. with the batting gloves, readjusted the Velcro. Uh, yeah, listen, Crowley, I, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, on this it will it will pick up the pace but i'm not it can it can help it's not going to hurt but like i'm not going to stop watching baseball because it got too slow i I don't think and i don't think they're going to gain fans by getting people I, i think either you're a fan of baseball or you're not i don't know that this change is going to draw people in well, when you take a look at the other change, the other change is the shift. And well, again, this I love. This I I I will I will jump over you here. I love this. <laughs> I, I love. I, I can't stand the shift. I mean, get the pencil neck geeks out of this thing. When a ground ball is hit hard, it should have an opportunity to get up the middle. Okay. Um, I, I, I am so happy about the shift being taken out of this thing. And I agree with you 100%. And so I think, you know, again, how many t- I wonder what Kyle Schwarber or Anthony Rizzo, what their averages would have been if there was no shift. And, and I don't care what you say, is that if all of a sudden you're a left-handed batter and you got four or five guys in the right field area and stuff like that, and people are like, well, just adjust to the pitch. Well, if I'm throwing a slider or a fastball in on your hands, how are you going to turn- hit that to the other side? You're not. That's not going to happen. That's just not physics. So I don't care what anyone says. This is this is exactly correct in that you are going to have to make more uh, spectacular defensive plays instead of a bunch of guys sitting there and the ball going straight to a guy. That's not fun. When we grew up with baseball, Dustin, it, it, the games did move faster, and there was a lot more running around. So you also have an increase in the size of the bases. And what have you seen so far in the minor leaguers? Games are shorter. There's more stolen bases. There's more action in the field. That's what's going to happen, and that's what baseball is missing. Is that is that when there's when nobody's stolen bases are fun to watch. When you're at the game and some guys running and everyone's jumping up to see what happens, that's fun to watch. When you have guys that have to make good defensive plays, and we're going to talk about Nico, but you know, is Nico a great shortstop or a shortstop that's benefited from good placement? You know, it's it's these are questions you got to ask yourself, but. It's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot more balls in play, a lot more action. I don't understand what anyone has a problem with this. 
No, action's the name of the game. There definitely needs to be more action. How about the um, the size of the bases, Crowley? Is this specifically about safety? Is that the main thing that's going on here? No, it, 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 there, there's all, you also, they're, they're bigger. So it's, A, it's about safety, and B, you're going to be willing to take more risk because it's less distance between two bases. How many oh, wow. times have okay. you know? So how many times have you seen it where the guy's barely thrown out? Now that guy, that same play, he's gonna have a few more inches off the base, and then a few more inches when he's going in there. I so. did not think I did not think about that aspect of it. That the, that the game of inches on those stolen bases could be very different. Right, and so like I said, in the minor leagues, you've seen an increase in stolen bases, and more teams are gonna start incorporating more of a running game. Interesting. Well, again, and there we go back to we go back to some more action. So it sounds like you and I are in agreement that these uh, these rules in the big picture are probably good for the game. Yeah, like I said, I, I've been going there how many years? You ever see John Lieber pitch the human rain delay? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not that. I'm, you know who was? He just retired, former Cub, Edwin Jackson. I swear to God, one year it had been. I can't remember what year it was. Twenty thirteen or something, maybe. I, every game I went to, I swear to God, Edwin Jackson started. And well, the, who was the worst one? Steve Traxel, wasn't he? Didn't Traxel he used to was, take all day? Yes, Traxel. Yes, Steve Traxel. Yeah, it's just not fun to watch. You, you, nobody can tell me that that's enjoyable. I don't care what you say. No, it, 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 it's not. So just get get in the box and throw it. Get on the mound and throw it. You know, that's that's where we're at. And then on Saturday afternoon, before the game, the uh, Cubs uh, put uh, Pat Hughes and a couple other all timers into their Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was there for that, and I got to, you know, I did, not for the ceremony, but um, after, you know, once those guys were there, they have these nice, new, beautiful blue uh, jackets for all the Hall of Famers were there, Billy, and, and for, was, I don't think Fergie was there. Dawson was there, uh, Sandberg was there, and then obviously the inductees this year, which um, representatives for Buck O'Neill, um, you had uh, Jose Cardinal, and obviously from 670, the scores broadcast, Cubs broadcast, Pat Hughes, so... It was really cool, and Pat threw a first pitch, and Jose threw a first pitch, and uh, very nice to see those guys honored, and this is going to be something that I think is going to be fun, and the only thing I had a problem with is I didn't think they advertised it well enough, you know what I mean? Well, not only, Crowley, not only did they not advertise it enough, why wasn't this something they did out in Gallagher Way, like when they unveiled Fergie's statue? Why was this not more public? Why would this be done in some Cubs office or out in the outfield. I mean, why would this be so hidden? Yeah, and, and here's the thing is that I knew where the, I, I had a general idea what was going on and they were doing it. So it's all, like, if you're going to the left field bleachers, there's a wall that has the Cubs hall of fame. They added it there. Not to, was it last 2021? And so they have it there and they literally had like the gates closed down. So you could like, couldn't even look in to see what was going on. I mean, that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, they, they definitely excluded the fans. And this Cubs Hall of Fame, okay, Jose Cardinal is not a Hall of Famer, but he's a Cubs Hall of Famer because fans love him. So why wouldn't you give the fans the pleasure of being right. a part of make that? it a fan event. Yeah, I just, that 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 that's one that's, I don't want to rain and not have Pat have a great day and great opportunity. I just think it's something that should have been a little bit, a lot bit more public. Right, definitely, it should have, there definitely should have been some more going on. And, you know, I think they could have done it like they did the Fergie statue. I think they could have done it, you know, obviously just showed the plaque. You know what I mean? Because that's what they do right. in, uh, if, you, if you go to Cooperstown. They don't, you don't do it all in, in, in the actual hall where the plaque goes. You do it outside, you get the plaque, and then later on it goes up in there. Exactly right. All right, a couple other quickies. So uh, Tom Ricketts was at this event, and there were some uh, 
obviously Cubs media types and uh, Ricketts uh, saying all the right things, at least in my mind, that they're going to rebuild and it's going to be on Jed and Jed will have the ability to spend and choose wisely. Are, are you liking what you're hearing from Tom right now? Yeah, I have, I have no problem with it. I, I, we saw it with Saya and we saw it with Stroman. You're going to see it a little bit more this year. Um, I think they're still evaluating the pieces that they have. You know, what you don't want to do, I, and I may be in the minority in this one here, but imagine if all of a sudden, you know, you get some some center fielder or, you know, it's just like how we got stuck with Jason Hayward. You know, you get a big contract and it's a lot of money in a lot of years. People don't like to hear it, but that guy's going to play. That's just that, that's just the reality of the that's situation. That's the reality of baseball. That's how it works in baseball. Right. Yeah. So if all of a sudden, why are you spending money when you have all these young kids coming up? Who are you building around? And that's the question. I think it's fair to say Pete Crow Armstrong's a guy that you plan on building around. You know, is Matt Mervis the real deal? He's had one unbelievable year in the minor leagues. So there's a lot of guys. Who are the ones you want to build on? And then you take that and you start to then insert who you think you're going to need. You know what I mean? As far as, okay, you know, do you need a shortstop or a third baseman? You know, th th those are the questions that you're going to have. But who are we building this team around? Because th that farm system is is going to be producing talent. Question is, is it top-tier talent or not? That's what we, we're yet to find out. Well, one of the positions that everybody from Ken Rosenthal to the little old lady next door says the Cubs are going to buy in the offseason is shortstop. And Nico Horner's had a pretty good year overall at shortstop. And David Ross had some interesting comments when asked about that. Uh, I'll give you the quote, Crowley, and have you react to it. I think it's like when you want to buy a new car, but you don't have to. You can be picky, right, said David Ross. We've got a really good shortstop here. If something works out where they identify a middle infielder that's of value and the field of fit as well, I think everybody's on board with that, including myself and Nico. Those are good problems to have. We'll let the front office pick and choose on that. That a quote from Cubs skipper David Ross. Right, and the analogy is interesting. You know, I, it actually makes sense by Rossi. Um, I agree 100%. Is is that you know, we we've talked about the idea of Nico moving possibly moving to second. So if you get a middle in, a shortstop that you feel is absolutely you know, the right fit, the right guy at the right price, then you absolutely make that move. If you can get somebody that's defensively better and, and is, you know, whoever complains about having too many good players, you know what I mean? Yeah. These are, these are good problems to have, right? right. That is a good, that is a good problem to have. No, no doubt about that. So, you know, let's, let's have Tom be a man of his word. Give, uh, give Jed a nice budget to work with, and then let's see what Jed and his group can do. Right. You're not forced to do anything. And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to force a decision that's not necessary is that you can say, you know what, we're happy with Nico. But if this other guy is willing to come to the Cubs and the contract works out, then we're going to do that. It, it, it's fine either way. But like when we came into this season, 2022, I just sat there and I'm like, oh, my God, the holes, they're everywhere. I mean, you had a hole in left, you had a hole in center, or I'm sorry, you had a hole in center, you had a hole in right. We didn't know what Ian Happ was going to be. We didn't know he was going to have an all-star season. So you had, like, literally walking in, you had three holes in the outfield. You, you didn't know who you were going to do, what you were going to do with first base. You didn't know if Nico and Magical were going to be the answer in the, up in the middle or third. The only thing you knew walking in is you had Wilson Contreras. That was about the only thing you were confident in. And other than that, you could you could have thrown a dart in any other position and you didn't feel comfortable with it. I feel better about Nico's year this year. That's the way I'm going to feel it. It's something that if, if they keep him at short, I'm okay with it. If they keep him at second, I'm fine with that. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 32. We called this one the San Fran fail after the Cubs dropped two of the three games to the Giants. And we just went through that. We also just talked about the Cubs Hall of Fame. We talked about some new rules changes, and we talked about David Ross' comments on Nico Horner. Now it's time to talk about the Cubs minor leagues. As three of the four affiliates are be playing postseason ball, and our next guest, James Triantos of the Myrtle Beach Cubs, they begin their postseason run on Tuesday. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast is James Triantos of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. How you doing, James? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing good, man. You know, unfortunately, you got rained out. Um, I always, I love that obvious shirt that says baseball's better at the beach. You guys usually have pretty good weather, but last night it didn't work out for you. Yeah, it's been going pretty good. Every time it's supposed to rain, kind of, you know, just moved away from us somehow. But yesterday, not so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I threw out the first pitch this year at, at uh, South Bend and it was, I'm not kidding you, James, 30 something degrees. And I'm like, next time, man, I, I got to head over to, to Myrtle Beach and see where it's at. Seems like the weather's a little bit nicer. A little bit warmer there in April, for sure. Now, now the warm weather for you is good. You grew up in uh, Virginia and uh, as you're growing up, what was it? How did you get into baseball in the first place? Um. I mean, I was playing wiffle ball with with my dad when I was three years old, um, and I just picked up a bat and, you know, never really put it down from then on. I love baseball, and I always have. And so it was. That, did you play any other sports besides baseball growing up, or was that your main focus? I played uh, baseball, football, basketball, and I used to wrestle when I was younger. Oh, wow. All righty. So if everybody, anyone throws up and in, you can take them down a little double chicken wing or something, right? Yeah. I don't know about all that, but we'll, we'll see. Now, and I, and I heard you can dunk a basketball, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm five, eight. I think you're what? Five, nine, five, 10. I mean, I'd you, say I'm like five, 11, closer to six foot. Oh, okay. I, well, it's still impressive that you're dunking a basketball, man. That's that, that has got to be impressive. So you grow up, you're playing baseball, and, you know, I also heard you did the Ozzie Smith backflip. You can do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my buddies and I learned a bunch of different stuff around, over quarantine. You know, we just didn't have much to do. we just go run around and figure stuff out that we can do. 
Now, when so. you were growing up in Virginia, did you have any team baseball team that you you watched that really kind of got you hooked, or not too much? Um, I mean, my dad is a big Philly everything fan, so I grew up Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, everything like that. Um, so I mean, I'd say that was the team that I grew up rooting for big time. Any players in specific? Uh, on the Phillies right now, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Um, but I've been a big Mike Trout fan his whole career. So yeah, because um, he's from where my dad grew up actually, and oh. my cousins go hunting with him in the off season. That's pretty so. cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I always thought that was cool. We got to, you know, we got to meet, and uh, I'm in a group called Club 400. We had Kyle Schwarber come out a couple times, and man, he's just a fun guy to root for. He's just a, he's a baseball lifer. You just know that right away, you know. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's and he can hit the ball really far. Oh, I, I was there in 2015 when he put one literally on top of the jumbotron. It was amazing. Now. <sighs> Uh, when you were sitting there growing up, when did you start to think that being a, a pro baseball player was a real possibility for yourself? I don't really think it kind of just came about, um, you know, like as a realization. I think the more work I put into it um, and the more I got out of it, the more I realized that it could actually happen. I could become a pro baseball player. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Just the more dedicated I became to it, the more of a possibility it became. And so you committed to North Carolina, even is that before you even started high school? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's got to be crazy. So you, you get to, you know, your last season of high school baseball and, 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 and for most folks, for most players that, you know, the, especially the really good players, they, they're two way players. And so you didn't only play on the infield, but you also pitched. Mm-hmm. And the story that I'm reading is, is that your team makes it to the state finals. And that had to have been absolutely crazy because in the crowd, you got a lot of different people. You were uh, James Madison High School, mm-hmm. 7-12 batting average, 800 on base percentage, 23 stolen bases, 11 home runs. The thing that blew my mind, though, was two strikeouts and 75 plate appearances. And then as a pitcher, you go 9-0 and with a 118 ERA. 67 strikeouts against 14 walks. I mean, you are on the mound uh, for the state final, even though you pitched three days before. Mm -hmm. There were obviously the fans, uh, your families and stuff like that, but there was also a lot of scouts in the crowd. Did that kind of get you, you know, thinking a little bit more? Did you just kind of just phase all of that out? No, I mean, it wasn't really about who was there. It was kind of about who I was playing with. Uh, I was playing with my best friends for, you know, like my the, my catcher and I were have been best friends since we were seven years old, I'd say. So, I mean, making the most of that, being able to throw to him one last time uh, before everyone goes off to college and goes to Shepard Ways, um, you know, kind of taking all of that in and appreciating it for what it's worth uh, one last time was what I was focused on. And, you know, of course, winning a ball game, but... You you won the ball game. You had you had what? You drove in the first run. You had a home run, and you had what? Seven shutout innings. Yeah, that that that'll work. And 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 the scout, the area scout that really really raved about you was Billy Swoop, who's from mm-hmm. the Mid Atlantic region. 
mm-hmm. you know, in those type of situations, he talks to you, kind of has some conversations. What kind of relationship is that? Uh, it's a really good relationship. You know, he still checks up on me every couple of weeks. He was actually at one of our games uh, three weeks ago. Talks to, you know, my parents a good amount, too. Um, it's, a, it's a great relationship. He was at a lot of my games in high school. He would sit down and talk to my dad or mom about whatever questions they wanted to ask and learn about this whole process. You know, it's just, it's great. We still, we still talk to him just, you know, every week. Yeah. He was absolutely insistent that the Cubs draft you. And so, you know, you, you go, you have that great championship game. um, Mm -hmm. But then you got to do a workout in between, you know, your high school career and the draft. And that was at Myrtle beach of all places, you know, (laughs) How was you're sitting here in front of the different scouts and, and, and all that stuff, and they just what run you through a few drills, kind of throw get you some pitches going. How did that work out? Uh, I mean, we warmed up, got you know, got our arms loose, and then they actually had me throwing from the outfield for I don't know 10, 10 minutes, and then I went into the infield and did some took some grounders at third and short, and then uh hit bp and that was that and 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 the, that bp session you know it definitely impressed plan plenty i mean swoop already believed in you but justin stone and some of those guys were just talking mm-hmm. about your swing and your plate coverage obviously when i was going over the numbers of, of the amount you know what you hit and and how few times you know you struck out i mean that was just really really amazing so draft day right? Take me to draft day right here is that you are drafted in the second round, 56 picks. The Cubs were just praying that you would be right there. And you were, you have what family and friends hanging out with you. I had, uh, four of my best friends and my mom and my dad there with me and my sister. Now I'm sure the Cubs are not the only ones scouting you. What other teams were kind of taking a look at you? The Rangers, um, Orioles, Red Sox, um, Brewers. I oh. think there were like one or two more, I want to say. Something something like that. James, that would have killed me if you would have went to the Brewers, man. That would have been disaster. Phone rings, you pick it up, and who's on the other line? Uh, Dan Kantrovitz. Dan Kantrovitz, okay, so – in charge of scouting, vice president of scouting and stuff like that. And he says, Hey man, we want you to be a cub. And you had no doubt that that's where you wanted to go. Right. I wanted to be with the Cubs. Yes, sir. For sure. And, and so now you, you know, it's always interesting when I talk to prospects about how, you know, you're the big fish in the little pond when you're in high school, but then you end up going out to the Arizona, Arizona complex league. What was that like when you show up to Arizona and you see the facilities and you see all the players around there? I mean, that's gotta be kind of a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a little, I was nervous um, for like the first two, three weeks, I'd say, just because, you know, I'm walking in and I see all these, you know, big college guys that they intimidated me a little bit, but everyone was really nice, um, you know, just learning about how to go about things and what pro ball's like, Um you know, once I once I started going, getting on a regular schedule, started playing games, I got back to, you know, being playing like me, um, feeling like myself. And, you know, I just went out every day and had fun playing like I get to play baseball every day. Not many people get to do that. 
So making the most of that and enjoying myself was biggest part. Yeah, you know, it didn't take you long to get it going because in 25 games, you hit 327 with six homers, 14 extra bases hits, and a 970 OPS. So you were the ACL player of the month, which is pretty cool. And so you start 2022 in Myrtle Beach. And like I said, I've never been there personally, but the facilities look amazing. And, and you can't beat Myrtle Beach, you know, as far as weather and fun things to do around there. But mm-hmm. talk to me about that first half because you were the winningest organization in minor league baseball Mm -hmm. you know I mean we had a great group it wasn't really just talent it was we were with each other all the time every single day whether it's on the field off the field like go you know hang out with everyone we just we all had great relationships together I mean we still do um and it you know we we bonded together and it's went out and played every day like you know everyone wants to win and it seemed like we were ready not only to win but to kind of dominate every single day yeah I mean 47 and 19 so you guys take the first half so you are you've already punched your ticket into the postseason do you guys know potentially who you're facing just uh uh, coming up pretty soon um it's either going to be Charleston or Columbia I believe um Almost, yeah, I'm almost positive it's Charleston or Columbia. Okay. And, and you guys had a good battle with Charleston in the first half. I mean, I think you got you beat them by what, one game? Yeah, one game. They, We had to win a game or they had to lose, and they were down the whole game, and they walked it off in the bottom of the ninth uh, to win it, and we ended up going into extra innings and winning our game. So we ended up clinching. Now, again, you know, there's that part of you're trying to win games, but there's also a developmental aspect to the um, minor league system. So, you know, a lot of guys moved out of Myrtle Beach, especially I think your entire starting rotation moved up to South Bend. So how much of is that an adjustment as that kind of goes on throughout, like, say, like the second half of the season? I mean, you know, people are always going to get moved around, but it's we still have a good amount of guys that are like the same core um, and, you know, remember what it was like. So we got to, that's our job to, you know, keep up the morale and keep working every day and, you know, setting a tone, stuff like that. Um, And I, I mean, everybody still hangs out with each other. It's still the same thing going on. It's just, you know, it's good team. We're, we're all friends, no matter where you come from. It's, you know, it's a great team to be on. And so as you kind of look in this, your season's winding down here, you know, a couple of weeks left, you know, where do you see as far as the progress you've made in your hitting and the progress you've made in your fielding? What, what are some things that you've been working on and, and really feel like you've kind of accomplished so far this year? Um, I'd say that I've gotten a lot better at third base this year, big time. Like I was in spring training, I was a little bit uncomfortable, but um, the more ground balls I took, uh, and as the season went on, just getting used to making some sort of plays and trusting my instincts, instincts um, was I've got, I've gotten improved in that aspect. Um, you know, hitting just sticking with your craft, um, going out there every day and trying to be consistent. Just you know, doing what doing what I know uh, how to do best, and you know, not like trying to change it too much like 
trusting in it because when I start changing a bunch of things at the same time as when I get into a funk, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the funny thing that, that, that I was kind of looking at is, you know, uh, you've had Kevin Alcantara down with you for a while. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the funny thing that I read is that Owen Casey, uh, with South Bend is a redhead and, uh, he got the nickname Rojo. Mm-hmm. which means red in Spanish. Who gave you the, your nickname, Rojito, which means little redhead? Um, it started in the ACL. Um, that's, I, like, from the first day on, that's kind of what everyone was calling me, just Rojito. Like, that was just, all right, uh, that's my name now. Is so, that what they call you now in the dugout hit too? Uh, a lot of people call me Tree um, as of recently because uh, – Buddy Bailey started calling me Tree at the beginning of the season, so everyone else followed him. Hey, you you have to because Buddy Bailey is a legendary manager. What does he bring to the team for you guys? Um, he's he's such a good manager. He's 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 so fun to play for. It's kind of like if you show up and you're accountable and you get your work done, like he's gonna be happy with you. But like if you're slacking off whatsoever, it's, it's not gonna slide. It's kind of like he he won't he holds everyone accountable to everything they do, and it's it's nice. I like it a lot. And so playing with the Cubs organization, like you said, you know, you, a lot of you start in the ACL. You may see each other over in um, uh, Mesa, which is where I met you. And then um, you know, are there other players that you're kind of keeping a tabs on, like as they're going through the minors, like friends of yours that you just want to like. Maybe you check the box scores or anything like that that you're kind of like, oh, you know, I wonder how he's doing or so on and so forth. Um, I mean, of course, B.J. Murray is a big one that I'm, you know, always checking on because we lived here in Myrtle. Um, we lived together in spring training, too. So, you know, spending every day for like three, three months with them um, was, you know, I'm obviously going to be supporting and rooting for him uh, up in South Bend and. He's been hitting pretty well recently too, so it's nice to watch. Nice, and 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 if you were to tell someone to come down to South Bend, and, or I'm sorry, Myrtle Beach, and say, "Hey, you got to see my teammate play. This guy is amazing." Like, who clicks in your head where you're just like, you enjoy just just being there and just watching that person on a daily basis? Kevin, like, he's Kevin Alcantara is just watching watching him move across the outfield is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Just. I'll watch a ball. I'll watch a ball go up and no, go like, oh no, that's in the gap, and Kevin's under it like three seconds later. I'm like, okay, all right, that's nice. And then you know, casually hitting balls 110 miles an hour is also fun to watch. Yeah, so. it, it, it's it's you know, when I think about the outfield that you guys had in that first half plus the rotation, I was like, no wonder you guys dominated. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, so have you ever had the opportunity yet to go to Wrigley Field? I did in the offseason uh, this past year. I went to Chicago for the first time with my dad. Was it wintertime or, 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 you know? It was November, so it was pretty cold. Were you able to get inside the stadium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It was so they, cool. They took you around, man. And so, you know. As we kind of go around and we check things out, man, like I just, you know, talking to you and, and, and getting to know all the prospects here, it's like my dream as a season ticket holder is one day to see you at Wrigley Field at third base 
same place mm-hmm. where I watch, you know, where, where my dad watched Ron Santo and talk about Bill Madlock and, and, and Aramis Ramirez up into Chris mm-hmm. Bryant. So, you know, really hoping the best for you in your career, James, appreciate you hopping on. And then yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely check in with you next year at uh, South Bend where I, where I anticipate you'll be playing, but I just want to wish you the best of luck in your career. And, and I, I dream of seeing you one day at Wrigley and I'll be there cheering for you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Take care, James. Yeah. Have a nice night. Have a nice day. You're listening to the Fly the W670, the score podcast. This is season one. It is episode 32. We are calling this one the San Fran fail. The Giants are out of town, Crowley, and now the Mets, who are in a battle for first place in the NL East, come to town, and they need to win these games starting on Monday night against our Chicago Cubs. Yeah, they you know they had a really comfortable lead, and then all of a sudden that lead has slipped as the defending champion Braves are now within a game and a half of the Mets. So the Mets are six and four in their last ten. They're still in first place, eighty nine and fifty two, but they're definitely in a shakier position, and they hope to take advantage of the Cubs still holding on to that third place spot in your NL Central, fifty eight and eighty two, but they are three and seven in their last ten and riding a two game losing streak. So, you know, for the Mets, they have to take advantage here because if they if they lose two or three, Lord knows the New York media is going to go nuts. Yeah, they need these wins desperately. The Braves have been playing just lights out, unbelievable baseball. The Dodgers are already sitting comfortably. They've already made it to the postseason. I mean, I think the Mets are going to be playing postseason ball no matter what, but I think they want to win that division crown. Yeah, you want to win that crown and you don't want to go into the postseason backing in. You know, that's just the worst feeling. So... They're going to be coming out, and, and they're going to—they're—they're they're trying to smell blood in the water here and, and go for it. They feel that these are all winnable games, and they're going to do everything they can to win them. And unfortunately, I have to agree with them. They probably all are winnable games. Let's start with game one. That goes Monday night, a little bit after six o'clock. Javier Assad. I believe making his fourth career start, but the third of recent memory. Is that right, Crowley? Yeah, I want, I want to say he's been in four games but started three, so this is going to be his fourth career start here. And so, you know, he's been doing really good. No complaints. Uh, you know, he went, uh, you know, in his last start against Cincinnati, 5.1. He gave up five hits, four earned runs, you know, not not the greatest. Um, before that, against Toronto, he went five innings, gave up four hits, zero runs. Um, you're, you're just trying to see what you have in the kid. And, and that's really what it boils down to is, is that you're hoping that, you know, he, he can show you something and, and be a piece in the bullpen or somewhere else if need be. Yep. All about the learning experience. Forget about the W's at this point. Uh, hashtag get a top five pick. Uh, game number two. These are all going to be six ten starts. That game will be Tuesday night at Wrigley. Uh, that's in, in New York. Oh, these games are in New York. My fault. Yeah, that's, that's why, why it's 610. 6-10, yeah. Wah, wah. And, I thought maybe see, they were helping out the uh, school kids, but uh, I well, forgot they, the Sox are the Sox are back in town, so the Cubs are out of town. My bad. Well, they are. They have been doing those 640 starts a little that's bit. That's right. So the that's Cubs right. have. So it's not completely out of the realm that you know you think 610, but yeah, they're going to be in New York. And uh, when, when you talk, you know, this is going to be a, the toughest of the matchups because you have Adrian Sampson versus Jake Degrom. We know Adrian Sampson. We know what he does. He, we know what he gives you. Um, just, you know, pretty solid start last time against Cincinnati. Six innings, five hits, one earned run. You know, against St. Louis before that, five innings, five innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs. So he just always kind of gives you what you need. Um, you know, he's not a he, like I said, 
in the mix again for a bullpen spot next year. He's done nothing other than, you know, keep you in every single game. But now you're going against, when he's healthy, probably one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and Jake DeGrom. Yeah, that guy's a stud. Scary. He's an absolute stud, Crowley. Absolute yeah, you know, stud. it's just a matter of can he stay healthy. But, you know, the last start again, 9-7 against Pittsburgh. You know, he goes seven innings, three hits, zero earned runs. Against the mighty Dodgers lineup on uh, August 31st, seven innings, three hits, one run. Against Colorado, six innings, three hits, one run. He, he's, he's, he's honestly one of the best in the game, and it's – it is going, you know, it's going to be a tough one. That's all you can do is try to do the best that you can. Yep, that's all you can do. Just give out your best absolute efforts. And and and, and honestly, I, I I want the Cubs offense to kind of take a look and, and 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 see what you got here and and say to yourself, okay, maybe you know, see what it's like to play against this guy and and look what they did against Rodon. I'm not saying Rodon is the same as Degrom, but I'm just saying that you can sit there and you you can try to do really well. How about this? Jan Gomes at seven at bats versus Degrom, though he hits four twenty nine. <laughs> well, I, I would guarantee, I would guarantee he would be in the lineup then for game number two. Yeah, and and so you know, and and not a lot. If of not, other, if not, Crowley, something's up. And not a lot of other players. And again, you still have Wilson, who's been out with that ankle injury. Luckily, we saw Patrick Wisdom back, but you've seen how not having that pop has really hurt the Cubs. So hopefully, the Cubs are able to. Um, do something. And, and with Adrian Sampson, you got to look, take a look for Tyler Naquin who hits 571 at seven at bats for him. So uh, you might be a little bit nervous on that one. So let's see what happens. All right. Game number three, also six ten start in New York, Drew Smiley versus the dreaded TBD. Yep. Drew Smiley. What, what, boy, you know, you're just taking a look and I'm taking a look at the deal that they signed him to. And, and hopefully they can, you know, the option, they can they can exercise that option and everything goes good and and it looks like Smiley wants to stay here. You saw what he did against San Francisco: seven innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs. He had a stinker against St. Louis, but that was really not the norm since he's been healthy. You know, most of the time, you know, he's been pitching really well in every game. He gave up uh, what was it, seven earned runs in two point one innings. Again, some of them came in after um, after he had left the game. So let, let's kind of see what happens here. But he has just been pitching pretty good since he's been back from injury. All right, Crowley, I'm going to go first. Unfortunately, I am going to uh, predict a sweep. I think our Cubs are going to get themselves swept out of New York. I expect the uh, Mets to uh, to pound our Cubs. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with the old Dustin theory of the TBD. That should be – I'm thinking Drew Smiley has been doing great. Uh, you got the TBD, so I, I say the Cubs win one out of three games. I, I don't, I really don't have high hopes versus Degrom, um, and and you know it, it's, you know it, we'll see what happens. You know the only thing I can say is, is that you wonder too if New York, hearing Atlanta's footsteps, plays a little tight, and maybe the Cubs can take advantage. That's Absolutely, I mean the Cubs I have nothing. Myself. The Cubs have nothing to lose. They should be playing loosey goosey. Absolutely right, Crowley. Right, have fun. Have good at bats like you did against Rodon. Go out there and see what happens. And if you lose, everyone expects you to lose. But if you can win and you can and you can start to make you know the Mets feel tight, because especially this very first game that you have going up against, if all of a sudden it gets off on a bad note. You know how that crowd is going to be in New York. You know how the media is going to be. You know the questions in the locker room. It, it, you know, you got a young kid in Javier Assad, and I don't I'm taking a look here. The Mets really 
don't have much experience against him at all. Nobody's had that bad against him. So, and then the Cubs are facing Chris Bassett, who's had a good year at 13 and seven. So, you know, it's just, let's see what happens. If Javier can go out there and have a good game, it can start to make things a little bit interesting. Well, as we like to say, that's why we play the games. That's why we watch. That's why we listen. That's a wrap. Season one, episode 32 is in the books. A San Fran fail. Crowley, have yourself a great week. And, uh, I guess go Cubs. Yes, absolutely. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FlyTheW670. Follow us on Facebook, FlyTheW. Email us with any questions or comments at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Like, rate, and review. It's really easy, guys. And go Cubs.